All right, welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Chris Weber. Uh, here with my co-host, who's totally not my sister, Heather Weber. Hello. And also, we have a special guest today. <laughs> totally, also not my sister, Caitlin Weber. Hi. Ooh, how you guys doing? Real fine, real fine. Mm-hmm. Doing good. Kitchen's looking awesome. Thank you. And you know, the guy we're going to be talking about today, according to him, uh, that's all of our kitchen now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm uh, yeah. over my dead body. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, get the hell out of my kitchen. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> everybody's kitchen. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about urban legends. But um, instead of just listing off a bunch of well-known urban legends that I'm sure a litany of podcasts have covered, uh, we're going to be talking no. about... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's shocking. Slenderman again. <laughs> Those long, sexy fingers. Mm. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> uh, so we'll be concentrating on one in particular today, and um, it's from where all three of us grew up in uh, rural Wisconsin. Sprouts, 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 sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who might be a little unclear of what defines an urban legend, we'll just kind of do a quick recap. So in a nutshell, urban legends are modern folklore. They often come in the form that is given to us by a third party and labeled as a true event. Um, you couldn't see my air quotations, obviously. So it could come in any way. Generally, it's like, well, my cousin Clement told me about a guy he knows who yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And he had a claw for a yeah. hand. <laughs> Well, even in the hometown of Chilton that we lived in, there was the lady in white. Oh, yeah, and uh, Charcoal Boy. Yeah. Oh, Charcoal oh, Boy, that's God. right. Oh, Lord Jesus, that was <laughs> Wonderful scary. Classic. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times urban legends are very similar from city to city, um, as I was looking at more urban legends, like that long, uh, lonely road where you, you know, if you put powder on the back of the car and you drive down it, you'll see handprints on the back, uh, which was a road that was outside of uh, Chilton. Right. But that's actually like a pretty common one in a lot of cities. And then the Witch's Road also, if you put your car in neutral, say your car will magically go uphill. (laughs) (laughs) I think we even brought a basketball out there. We did. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Serious stuff, guys. Yep. (laughs) Answering all the hard questions. (laughs) Yeah, so many times these urban legends will serve as cautionary tales, moral tales, or just to scare the shit out of someone. And they've changed a lot throughout the years with the uh, widespread use of internet and cell phones. But uh, many of you who grew up in small towns might have your own that float around. They often revolve around a house, a cemetery, a bridge, a road... Or sometimes even a person like that uh, old lady. You the know, lady the, in white. Yeah. Or just that old lonely lady who sits on the park oh, bench. Oh, yeah. The cat lady with like <laughs> seven <laughs> cats. You know, it's just interesting that like, growing up in Florida, like after we moved away, like thinking about being in the suburbs in a bigger city, you know, I don't recall anything like that like circulating at all. I, I yeah, mean, I guess not. Yeah. I mean, I I always heard about the lady in the wedding dress that would like walk around. But she was real. She was I never crazy. saw her. Oh, oh, she, I saw yeah. her oh, she was real. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, she was. And okay. she hung out by that Burger King dog. Well, I guess she was just legendary and not necessarily an urban legend. I think she was waiting to marry Jesus. <laughs> Do you take this whopper to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do. <laughs> the Baconator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we all grew up in a small town in Wisconsin named Chilton. So I guess before we get really started on it, let's kind of set the scene here. Um, population <clears throat> 3,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's probably about, like, what, five churches in yeah. Chilton? Yeah, mm-hmm, you're right. Totally. One tiny movie theater with a single screen. Uh, Stinky once, floors. I think there was, like, one <laughs> stoplight when we were growing up, and yeah. I think there's now, like, three. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> no. And the Walmart. That Walmart moved in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you know, Wisconsin's 
more beautiful than people give it credit for. I agree. But in the rural areas, especially at night, it does have this air of like... It's spooky as shit. Yeah, isolation yeah. and very spooky. I mean, there's this awesome documentary called Wisconsin Death Trip, and it's all about um, from the 1890s to, uh, I, I believe, the 1910s, just a string of people in a bunch of towns in Wisconsin just like started killing themselves in really weird ways. Or Jesus. killing other people. Sounds so, about right. Yeah, for sure. And it's like that was the, the isolation aspect. And there were people that were coming from uh, Norway and Sweden. And they got there and they're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, and then like the, seriously, since we were kids, we've just known about ghosts being around too. And, and oh, it was a staple of the the whole Chilton experience. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. had a ghost story. Oh, for sure. And I guess with a lot of the little towns in that area, it's always um, so it's like a weird feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, well, you know, it was also the urban legends in Chilton of like almost like gremlin kind of creatures. Yep. I had yep. I, so I heard Alex talk about it. One yeah, time. our cousin. And then on the same trip, Cambray talked about it. Oh, kind of like a different encounter with these. They're like. Best humanoid? described as, yeah, like humanoid gremlin-looking creatures. Gnomes um, or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't They all kind of said it They looks, said gremlin. Yeah, like I guess that's <laughs> well, all Well, Casey could, had like, something like that, sucking what? orange liquid out of his stomach once when he was sleeping. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like was, sleep paralysis. It, was, it totally sounded like it. But he said he <laughs> grabbed the thing's head and threw it off of him, and he could feel the warmth of its skin and stuff like that. This is in Ken's house. Ugh. I like te- we know those stories where someone tells you something and you just start tearing up because you're like that's like the scariest thing I've ever. Is there <laughs> sunny delight in your stomach? <laughs> Delicious. Mm. <laughs> so we're talking about all these towns in Wisconsin. One of the small towns that dot the region is called Saint Nazians. Um, and just to give a kind of a cursory background here, uh, Saint Nazian was founded by German immigrants in 1854. Uh, led by Father Ambrose Oswald. 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 Und Oswald. I hope there's chocolate here. I hope I get a stolen for Christmas. Oh, you're so bad. <laughs> um, so Oswald emigrated from uh, Germany, and he led a group of 113 men, women, and children from the black forest regions of Germany to southeast uh, Wisconsin. Because if you're German, that's obviously where you go. Wisconsin, uh, all day. (laughs) So he left Germany with his followers due to what what he claimed was religious persecution. So, and it was really for his ideals and in his interpretations about the Catholic religion. So we'll talk a little bit more about Father Ambrose a little later. But we'll just, as a side note, he claimed to be a faith healer, uh, that he had divine authority, uh, which really gained him many low-class and rural followers, um, particularly the ladies. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Sexy Ashwald. Oh, man. He's full of snot. <laughs> oh, I love how he moves those bony hips. Mm. <laughs> you can hear his bones jangle. <laughs> so Oswald's hope in moving to America was to create a Christian utopian community where everything was shared and everything belonged to everyone. But I think as we've seen with other sort of cults uh, that try to do communities like that, when you do have higher hierarchies, it most often does not end that way. Absolutely. Where, yeah. Yeah, I think when we were looking into this, we really got a super culty kind of feel from mm-hmm. the type of following that he had. Yeah, and it's a word that uh, is kicked around a lot. Yeah, cult, it is. You know, yeah. it's, um, which... I don't know. I think once we present the um, information, it'll, it's kind of up for debate I if it so is too. a cult or not. Yeah. I mean, it, it has those qualities, but I don't know if I'd, I'd actually go as far as to say it's a cult. But Yeah, I think it's, well, again, when we represent the facts, it'll definitely, you know, let you decide. But it's that influence that he had and it, it scared people, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, like, the secrecy, I guess. Yes. was kind of what we were talking about before mm-hmm. the show. Oh, what um, kind of secrecy? Well, I mean, because they were, like, an isolationist community, they actually—it was hard to get into the community. Like, if you were an outsider, you had to prove your faith— 
Um, you had to prove your worth. So it was a lot of vetting to get to, to get into the community. And also, as we'll see after Ambrose's death, there was some shady stuff happening. And one particular guy, Anton Stoll, Stoll. Oh. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to get that name would be in there. It's totally um, <laughs> He was shady as fuck. Sounds so, like it. Yeah, and he did a couple things that are really questionable and also kind of added to the uh, mystique of uh, what, what I guess we would call the Ajwaldians as they were kind of known in Germany. Right. He's I that mean, asshole that steals your pie out of your window, huh? God <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it, stole! Stolen! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got stolen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so why are we talking about this town in context of urban legends? As you may have already guessed, and as you've kind of heard us talk, St. Nazians has a reputation in the area as not only being... Um, secretive, but also being haunted, which is is further fueled by uh, urban legends and ghost stories. There's a lot of them, too. A ton. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Only ever heard the ones from the family and also the people that actually went to that school. Good Lord. Right. Before we get into the history of Oswald to give a context, um, well, I guess we'll just kind of go over some of the urban legends, you know, kind of we'll get a little fun and spooky. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so I guess um, somebody want to take one of the first urban legends? Yeah, so um, one of the ones that I had heard even before the research that we did, like over and over again, was that there was the ghost of... Father Oswald atop of a white horse, and he would kind of oh, roam the perimeter. It smelled like of Old Spice, Lake. I bet. <laughs> 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 he, <laughs> he would roam around the perimeter of Lake Oswald, which is just right there, like oh, off of the grounds sneaky. of the school. So apparently, this urban legend started from some semblance of truth because uh, apparently there was a priest at the time of when the seminary was running who wanted to play a prank on the students. He put on this hood and got on a horse and started to ride around to scare the kids. Well, obviously That'll it worked. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nightmare uh, um, fuel right there. <laughs> and also there's, of course, the... The sadistic nun legend, where she would torture her students, and after she died, she would roam around the grounds, a lot of roaming, um, with the shrieking apparitions of the children accompanying her. Oh, that's so goddamn German. (laughs) (laughs) There was a maypole out there and everything. Um, Yeah, actually, it was funny you mentioned that one, because I had thought, if I remember right, it was one about, like, a nun drowning children in that lake. I did see that, too. And uh, so then it's like, at night, you see her um, in her, you know, spectral glory. Which kind of was also interesting because I thought about how other urban legends or folklore change suit, I guess. Because, yes. you know, you'll think about La Llorona from uh, Oh, Mexican La Llorona? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yep. Oh, no problem. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... That's like generally was a cautionary tale to keep um, children from going to like the water or oh, river yeah. at night. So that's kind of interesting because that nun story kind of reminds me of like was, a regurgitation of I was that. totally thinking of La Llorona and like uh, some boys I worked with, they're from um, Chihuahua and they totally had a La Llorona story from when they were kids. But yeah, it, it's she's super spooky too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, you want to read one, Kate? We'll go ahead with the Satan room. On the fourth floor of the dorms, there is a room where the mythos states that Father Oswald encountered Satan. After the incident, the room was boarded up to protect the students and the faculty. The truth is much more mundane as the school wasn't around until many decades after Oswald died. There is no signs of the room being boarded up. Do we do we see the Satan room or like something about I, it? I think I remember hearing about it. Yeah, 
I, that sounds familiar too. I thought it was in the attic. I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall yeah. seeing it, but I do remember hearing about it. Well, it's there's a, there is no signs of the room being boarded up when a team of local ghost hunters explored the room for EVPs and such. They received no activity. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's apparently a couple of instances of EPPs that ghost hunters have gotten when they've gone there. Not particularly in the Satan room, but there's like a Merry Christmas EVP, apparently. Oh, what? Yeah. It was in the church, I believe. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, you know, when we were talking about Anton Stoll, and um, he had wrote an account of... I guess Father Ambrose like talking to a ghost or something like that. But um, as as Anton writes, as he lay dying, some reported hearing poundings on the walls of his room as well as throughout the residences of the town. The sounds abruptly stopped as Oswald's passing, or at Oswald's passing. I can read. <laughs> uh, a number of times, I observed that he, with closed eyes when there was no one else in the room but I alone, would extend his hands in blessing and then with his hands signal someone away. And yet I saw no one in the room. Yeah, that one's written all over the place when people write about St. Nazian's as the poundings on the wall as he was dying. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty creepy. So there's also one. Where's my cake? (laughs) Where's my cake? Uh, so there's also, I mean, there's the bleeding statues. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. <laughs> uh, so does anybody want to read that one? Or? Oh, yeah. Um, on the east side of the grounds, there was a series of erratically placed stone pillars that once housed the statues of the Stations of the Cross. All but one of the statues are now gone. The unconfirmed <laughs> rumor was that it was due to the statues bleeding. But, of course... It could have been iron or something like that. Whoa, that whoa, whoa. <laughs> Get all scientific. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's a pretty um, common trope. That's too. a classic yeah, yeah, Christian, yeah, urban legend. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that shit in Stigmata, fucking poltergeist. I don't know, all that. <laughs> oh, and that awesome, uh, oh, the exorcism. Exorcist, too. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. With that big old... Um, That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Exorcist. St. Mary Dick statue. Yep. <laughs> oh, and like, I just watched a, a Norwegian, no, Russian folklore movie. I recommend everybody. It's called November, but there was totally a bleeding Jesus in that, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> so there's also the suitcase room. Um, this one I hadn't heard about before. Oh, it's... Oh, so it's near the Satan room, very conveniently. Um, It is a room with uh, two old suitcases, and these suitcases hang open, and when you try to close them and walk away, they open back up again by themselves. This doesn't truly indicate something paranormal, but it is documented several times by bloggers. (laughs) Bloggers? Ghost hunters? How official. Again, we got all these from uh, Culture Crossfire. If you wanted to look into that at all and read a little bit more into the urban legends. So, arguably, the most haunted place in St. Nazian's that gets um, all the... Where almost all these legends and ghost stories come from is the JFK Prep School, which has been abandoned for... I mean, since the 80s, mm-hmm. I think. Um, the early, early 80s. 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, from what we understand, it started out as a, you said it was like an orphanage? Well, yeah, there is some talk about how it was like a, a orphanage for girls for mm-hmm. a little while. And then I'm not really sure when it transitioned into the seminary preparatory school because I think it was like a seminary for a while before yeah. it finally became the JFK prep. Well, it was an all-boys school at some point, like a, like a seminary all-boys school, I think. I believe so. Yeah. It switched hands and also changed its uh, – because it was a college as well, um, which some of our family uh, members went to. It's like a boarding school type deal, oh, I okay. think. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess – a uh, question to you two is like, what do you think makes this um, makes the JFK Prep School 
the, the you know, like what harbinges these uh, urban legends and ghost stories? Well, when you drive up to it, it's creepy as it's shit. ominous, yeah, and it's very commanding. So it's so big, you know, it's a campus. It's the focal point on yeah. the whole grounds of the entire mm-hmm. um, complex. I mean, every window is punched out, and they have this, like, black plastic flapping through all the open windows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I don't know, it's creepy. It's got this, like, age on it. It hasn't been cleaned in a long time. And it's reminiscent of Gothic architecture, too, so that'll always do it for people. Yeah. Yeah, the facade is very um, very powerful, I guess, when you look at it. Um, Sharp. Yeah. And also, I guess, because there is a cemetery on oh, yeah. the grounds. Like, right there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean. It... <laughs> and that church, too. Like, there's a church, like, right next to it as well. Uh, just... Are you going to uh, later tell the story about the creepy groundskeeper? I forgot about him. Did you forget about him? Dude, I I wish that would happen to me. <laughs> and I hope he has a foggy eyeball. <laughs> Do you want some squirrel nuts? <laughs> I, I wrestled him from his squirrel. <laughs> I mean, the first time that I went there was, um, you know, obviously the prep building is like the first thing that you see when mm-hmm. you when you go up. But the thing that got me really in the spooky mood was when I went into it that chapel. It wasn't your crop top or your eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was constant, but. <laughs> It was the little chapel at the, at the hill at the top of the cemetery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, like, an altar set up with all these crazy, like, religious dolls and flowers. And it looked like a... And they were, like, shitty, too. Like, yeah. 50s, the 70s, kind it, of, like, precious moments things. Yeah. It, it looked like a guy was camping out besides... Like Oswald for years and years and been collecting these little figures yeah. and he would go place them up every Just fucking hanging again. up by the thrift store dumpster like, you know, the good shepherd. And he's just like, you just going to throw that away? <laughs> oh, I, oh, I bet he'll like this one. Ooh, ooh this one's got really nice hair. <laughs> uh, that was super creepy. And I do have a picture of that and we'll post that for sure. Oh, so yeah. We'll post um, a bunch of pictures of this up on the website. Uh, so if you want to check it out. Oh, and we'll also post a picture of Father Ambrose. Um, um, dead, I guess. Yeah. Well, on his deathbed, and oh, yeah. then what we'll talk oh, about. Oh, they took a picture when, of him on his deathbed. Yep. That's and they were real assholes. I know. It's a it's a post mortem photo, and then we'll also have a photo of his subsequent uh, oh, exhumation. His, um, I wonder yeah. if they took a picture of him getting a colonoscopy too. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, actually, because there is a very interesting uh, tidbit about his death. Sorry if we're jumping all over the place. Like, I hope uh, I hope this makes sense so far. I mean, this is our first episode, so uh, just be gentle. Yeah, <laughs> for real. This is the internet, guys. <laughs> so yeah, your uh, voice sounds fat. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so talking about uh, Ambrose's burial, um, he died on February 17th in 1873. So not that long after they arrived, because they arrived in 54. So after his death, though, um, there's a lot of complicated things that happened after his death, which we won't get into right now. Um, We'll save that for a little later. But um, I guess the interesting thing is he was buried and dug up two or three times. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Well, I was actually reading that the only really confirmed aspect of him being buried up, coming up again, was um, in the 20s. Oh, yeah. Well, because they did make a new tomb for him. Okay, so, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was... Um, so his while his tomb was being constructed, he was placed in a coffin uh, that displayed his body like a holy relic in that's the right. church. Um, so the coffin would be placed under the altar of the church. And then when the coffin was reopened, the kind of, I guess, another bit of mystique around it was uh, his body was examined uh, before being moved to the other tomb. And they noticed that his body had not decayed, really. Um, his skin was still, uh, as is described, was lifelike. Um, his hair and his fingernails had continued to grow. His body, however, really showed uh, little to no signs of decay. Actually, like you said, he was finally sealed in his coffin. 
uh, moved to the tomb 63 days after his death. And then his body would be out a second time in 1926 to be moved to a newly constructed mausoleum. And they say that his corpse was still in sexy and extraordinary condition uh, <laughs> even after the uh, 53 years um, <laughs> yeah, that and, passed, so. and I've heard that sort of thing before with other urban legends as well, just mm-hmm. digging up bodies of, like, influential people, and they appeared not to have decayed yeah, at all. Yeah, or... well, you know, it's like, also, it was the early 1900s, so I think we obviously know way more about how the body decomposes. Because mm-hmm. you can think about, like, how that happens, like, climate uh, can come into play. If anything was used to, to embalm the body, right. that maybe just wasn't spoken of. Um, but, cheese. Yeah, <laughs> pump a full of cheese. <laughs> um, but we know that... Um, in the past, people not understanding the rate of decay or the uh, or the things that kind of complicate the rate of decay, sometimes they gave um, rise to folklore about vampires or zombies. Sure. So that's kind of a interesting tidbit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But for the religiously devout and the lower class, um, it's a completely different thing, especially if it's your prophet. It's... You know, they took that as um, as more validation of his holiness and his, like, kind of supernatural uh, divine authority. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, do we want to keep going or do we want to get into Mr. Oswald here? Yeah, let's talk about the man of the hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sexy, sexy Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's a lot... Not a lot on Oswald. In fact, we know very, very little of his early life in Germany. So what I do have, or all the research, our main source is going to come from actually a really wonderful essay by uh, Hubert Treiber called Waiting for the End of the World at the End... Uh, <laughs> Waiting for the End of the World at the End of the World. Um, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> not redundant at all. No. Uh, so we're using uh, this as our main source because Treibert did a lot of the grunt work uh, with other associates in translating and finding German documents concerning Oswald. So as we start to cover the information, let's consider that a lot of the documentation against against Oswald is somewhat biased. Um, actually, I'd say very biased. Real quick, was the guy that wrote the... Um the silly book title, uh, I'm sure it's Grams. I'm sorry, sir. Um, but <laughs> uh, is he from Wisconsin? Like, how did he start uh, to get interested? You know, I don't know much about yeah. him. He's, um, it's a scholarly um, essay. Oh, okay. So, Almost like um, a thesis. It's really long. Yeah, oh. it's it's about 60 pages, um, a ton of source. Uh, Citations. Yes. Oh, um, that sounds so like it. it's okay. very, very thorough, but uh, it's, it's a pretty good read. It's a little underwhelming, but it's still pretty fascinating nonetheless. It's peppered um, in with some, like, what yeah. type stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why we're going to use a lot of Trey Bear, because he really did a lot of the work. Uh, it's the most comprehensive thing that there is out there about mm-hmm. him, I would say. Yeah, because we, um, if I were to find anything else, we would have to um, read German documents, and I don't know German. Yeah, me either. So before we get started, let's give a little context for the climate of the mid-19th century in Germany. So during this time in Germany, there are two factors that we really need to consider in our story. One is the progress of medicine and the Industrial Revolution. And the other is the changing reforms and updates to the Catholic religion, or I should more say the main Catholic Church. Because you'll find that these these factors of of progress were not really useful to Oswald. They were were not, they did not work with ideologies and they did not serve his needs. So those are kind of two things that we should, or well, three things that we really should keep in mind. Because during this time and for previous centuries, the Catholic Church was going through some changes and reforms. Um, So as the 20th century was not too far off and society was changing with the Industrial Revolution, uh, new schools of thought, ideals, and interpretations were being considered and implemented in the church. And Oswald saw a lot of these as very radical and a threat to traditional Catholic values and practices. Which is kind of funny because it flips completely at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, actually. Well, yeah, and that's kind of another thing that we'll see is that the as much as he saw 
um, others as being radical, uh, they saw him as very radical and very and dangerous at times. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that really made Oswald uh, odd was his views, his views on religion and also how he viewed himself uh, in the context of his relationship with God. He, he practiced a lot of things that weren't bad a few centuries before, but now would have been considered heretical. They buckled down on that shit for sure. Oh, yeah. In Catholic I mean, Germany. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Catholic Germany. This is pretty fascinating. Um, actually, so if anybody is interested, there's a really interesting story that Dan Carlin does on Hardcore History about um, the oh. Anabaptists of the 16th century in Munster, Germany. Delicious. <laughs> there's actually some some parallels to this story with that because um, it has to do with the um, Protestants and Catholics kind of having a uh, kind of having a little bit of a war with it within this town a brawl mm-hmm and um, that is way more of a cult if Dan Carlin hadn't done the story oh I would have loved to do it it's so <laughs> fucking good oh um, cool yeah it's it's fucking great um, it ends in everything that you'd want like bloodshed and, and sieges and you know, people are getting beheaded. It's oh, it's sixteenth century. You said sixteenth uh, century. Yeah, it was wow. in like the mid fifteen hundreds. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're getting off track here. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> but I would definitely check out that story. Um, it's fascinating. Um, okay. But it's another cult. Uh, a guy who claimed to be able to talk to God, and he got all these followers, and they took over this town, and they started executing people or exiling people from the town, mm-hmm. and, and then it just snowballs after that into basically massacre. Yeah, so definitely check that out if you uh, ever have the chance. I definitely will. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so I guess the biggest thing about Oswald was that he was um, a healer. He like with crystals and stuff, or like a blue healer. <laughs> Actually, you're not too far off with the crystals. <laughs> so uh, medicine was changing really rapidly in the middle of the 19th century. Metal pu- medical publications and advances left uh, left Oswald in a really peculiar position um, because in 1842, Oswald was the chief curate of the. Um, I'm gonna Hammerreichenbach. Yep, Hammer Hammerreichenbach. Hammerreichenbach. I don't know what that was like a Muppet saying it. <laughs> Um, But it basically means that he was the parish priest who invested his time and care into curing uh, the souls of all in his parish. So, but Oswald was of the belief that natural illness could be cured by prayer of laying of hands, much like we see with those Pentecostals, like, oh, oh, God, oh, yeah. oh, oh, give me your, you give me your fat me. little head. I'm going to put my hands on it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he also believed that supernatural Ill- illnesses could be cured with exorcism. As you do. Which and I, smoky courts, man. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking sweet. Um, but which Oswald, Oswald uh, practiced without the approval of his superiors. Of course. Very often. They're definitely. <laughs> They're so, definitely not going to be. About I bet that. he took forty-five minute lunch breaks instead of thirty-minute ones. I <laughs> Oswald in my office now. <laughs> um, Getting caught on his phone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> His views on health and healing drew the attention of authorities, um, though, but not just secular authorities, also the church authorities. Um, the word medical me- meddling was used quite often in his Ooh, reports. Alliteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also became a very convoluted issue with the church, who saw Oswald overstepping his position and flirting with heresy. So that's kind of the thing is, you know, he was... You know, healing all these people without the approval sometimes of the church. Um, and also, since medicine had really progressed, there were now better institutions to help uh, with actual illness. But the problem with that was Oswald was like, nah, I totally got this, man. Yeah, just, man. Yeah, just lay just lay your flabby butt down. And I got <laughs> yeah, baby girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of really what sparked the... Um, I guess what we would call kind of the feud between Oswald, the church, and the secular state, uh, secular authorities. So I guess it becomes a really convoluted issue with the church 
because they saw Oswald as overstepping and the police saw him as like problematic to the people that he was trying to help um, because he actually didn't have a proper medical medical degree. Yeah, so they've kind of viewed him as a quack or yeah. Oh man, this is the time for that. Like yeah. this is patent med- medicine <laughs> time period too. Um, so, but that also brought up a complication of whose problem was Oswald? Was it the churches or was it the states? Regardless, though, the solution seemed to be on both sides. Let's put enough pressure on Oswald. Um, so either he emigrates or he um, Stops. becomes discredited. Yeah, they they also oh, put, damn. put out a vicious campaign on both sides to discredit him pretty badly, um, ruining his reputation. The church also moved him around really, like, all the time, just trying to, like, disassociate him from his followers because one thing that we didn't mention was he had a lot, a, a lot of followers, um, which was what began to really scare the church. Like, like 12 or, like, 20 <laughs> or, like, I don't know. Getting warmer. Oh, shnikes. <laughs> no, I mean, um, as Oswald would say, um, let me just find this quote here. He must have pissed off the wrong person. I know. Or I wonder fucked what, the wrong yeah. farm girl, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> or yeah. boy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh. I can't find the quote right now, but it was basically like um, Oswald was saying: uh, people will flock from 50, 60 miles away to come oh, and get healing that. from me, and which was true. I mean, people were traveling, and, and again, these are all rural, um, low class people. Um, but so they were traveling on their own means just to come and see him and get some of his healing. So, I mean, take take that as you will, I guess. Um, but that did not stop the church or the state authorities from being righteously pissed off. Yeah, that's it's seems like they really had a vendetta out for him. And I'm wondering if something went down between him and seriously the wrong person at one point. Well, I think the, yeah, I think it was because he was kind of going off on his own, kind of going rogue and doing things without, you know, against the superior's wishes or not getting, um, you know, not getting the okay to do things. And so I think that they saw that as a, you know, like he's just being like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, It's like, I'm kind of your boss, man. Um, (laughs) So, um Basically, the church just wanted to get rid of him, and the state authorities wanted to just close the file on him. Nobody really, like, they didn't really give a shit about him, about him, but they gave a shit about what he was doing. So they just wanted to be done with it. I mean, that's... It's a whole package, baby. You yeah. got Oswald, you mm-hmm. got that woo-woo yeah. shit, too. Mm-hmm. But, it, but again, it was whose responsibility was he because the church doesn't want to take, respi- uh, take responsibility because a criminal investigation on one of their priests would be uh, bad for the reputation and image. Yeah. Um, but the police didn't want to get involved because his followers were loyal, claiming to have witnessed his miraculous cures and willingly allowed him to be their sole hair care, uh, healthcare provider. Uh, so there's really not much you can do when people uh, willingly let you do that. But still, I mean, there's obviously the, uh, as again, uh, medical melding, uh, meddling. A little um, uh, Rasputin stank on that. With the, you know? <laughs> yeah. Actually, there, yeah, there are parallels. Kind of like parallels, yeah, a little yeah. bit because of like, you know, the little boy with hemophilia and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, all of this also drew the attention of the press and increased his supporters even more because the word got out about him. Um, he was also really outspoken, uh, which I think also pissed off. Man, uh, I just, I want to see what he looks like because I got all kinds of images. He looks like Otho in my head from uh, Beetlejuice. He's <laughs> <laughs> much thinner. But, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, that, I mean. I just, Oswald just makes me think of a pump man. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, all right. No, nah, right. I think Oswald looked like he should be on the cover of a Led Zeppelin album. Uh, yeah. Whoa. I think. I think no he, wonder he sure got he the lady. He had like a Damn. beard and, you know, I mean, I don't actually know that. I, just from the death photo, he had a beard. But. That's crazy. No, d- in our research like a while back, didn't we find something about how he had like this kid that he would, like a farm boy? Yes. 
Yes. Oh, is, um, are we covering that later? We'll we'll get into that. Okay, uh, cool. Because, oh my! You know, well, we had touched a little bit. Not like on, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh, I'm sorry. A boy. Um, well, we had kind of talked about him being seen as a heretic because of his interpretations and um, other other beliefs that he brought into his interpretations. Sure. So that's actually going to be part of it. Uh, so we'll kind of touch on that in a second. But I just kind of wanted to set the scene of of, of the, kind of the chaotic atmosphere that was going on around Oswald at the time. You know, and, and all these things would start to kind of snowball and lead him to actually emigrate. Um, you know, as we had said previously, because of religious persecution. Mm-hmm. So I really want to just read this. Um, so there's a report by an examining commission that was set up by the um, by the uh, diocesan uh, authorities. They were investigating Oswald, and this quote makes it quite clear uh, that Oswald's theories and mode of behavior were severely frowned on, uh, to put it mildly. (laughs) So uh, here's a passage from that report from the 20th of October, 1943. Um, 1843. I'm sorry. I was like, whoa, we're transported, man. (laughs) All right, listen here, kid. All right, I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to talk how you can say it. So this uh, refers to a police investigation um, by the uh, ministerial authorities. And I quote... I wish I could do a funny voice for this. Chocolate dodge water. No, just kidding. Uh, Just make this all Ken Burns style and I'll put on some like violin music or something. Chaplain Oswald asserted. Is that how Ken Burns talks? Um, they just sound really serious, but no, it's just like different, like Tom Hanks or something. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tom Hanks. Um, Okay, so anyway, uh, quote. Chaplain Oswald asserted quite freely and modestly that he was equipped with the higher powers and that he could, if necessary, use these powers in the name of the Almighty to cure all ills, chronic and acute, even those previously considered incurable. He would use exorcism, uh, consecrated oil, the laying on of hands and prayer, and would shun all forms of medical assistance uh, that were contrary to his way of healing. According to his own records, his patient numbered 3,160, and he claims in good faith to have healed most of these. (laughs) In good faith. Just like a couple died. Um, (laughs) An ignoramus would take this Oswald for a miracle worker. Oh, yeah, fucking throwing shade. Mm -hmm. Is that what the kids are saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel that glove slapping my face. Oh, I'm lit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, turnt. <laughs> so, however, a closer look makes us think otherwise. Chaplain Oswald is of meager stature, scruffless, <laughs> and is permanently in a high state of excitement. Scruffless. Was he jumps on the bed a lot, uh, <laughs> which he attempts to disguise by adapting sober habits. Ooh. His early education is most efficient. His university education was cut short as he pursued his healing activities. Oswald's profoundly disordered imagination appears to be deceiving him, and we would advise him to work his healing powers on his own person so that he would no longer have to practice them on others. Oh, shit! Oh, shit, oh, shit. (laughs) This is a long quote, but it's really good. However... This man is still causing the diocese and secular authorities great inconvenience. Only firm intervention can rid, of, rid us of this inconvenience. Oswald enjoys the reputation of a religious and moral man, and yet bring out the contrast between irreligious, uh, irreligiousness and immorality in people. Even in clerics themselves, even more when grasping landlords, roguish schoolmasters and others determined to follow the path of self-deception stand to gain by his nefarious activities. I can just see this guy giving himself a pat on the back after he got done writing that. <laughs> Ooh, I deserve chocolate. Shaking his own hand. I did good. Ooh, I deserve guy. sausage. <laughs> um, Oswald will pay scant heed to the orders of the um, authorities. Feeling aggrieved that his supposed right to heal is challenged, he uh, assuages. Assuages. I, I, I'm not good at reading. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, his conscience with the thought that he owes greater allegiance to God than to man. So, yeah, they didn't like him. 
Uh, not at all. All There's that a, puritanical uh, bullshit. Yeah. Oh, here's some other really great uh, things that he was called. Uh, <laughs> he was deemed by the authorities and church <laughs> officials as a religious quack remedy, a simpleton, religious maniac, and a lunatic. Wow. So, I mean, it'd be so funny to be going through old newspapers and, like, you know, that really old, like, font and stuff and just see piece of shit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker. Motherfucker. Hide your wife. <laughs> yeah, so... Did not think highly of him, and obviously um, that was not the only bad um, press that he got because they did um, put out quite a few press releases about him, uh, all pretty much scathing and uh, labeling him as, you know, basically just a fucking lunatic. Yeah. Um, Heretic. Yeah, yeah, heretic, heretical. Um, But they didn't, like, get rid of him. That's kind of the thing is, like, they were always against him, but I think due to his popularity and them kind of knowing that that is going to eventually hurt them with some of their, um, some of their devotees, uh, that, uh, they kind of couldn't get rid of him. It was kind of like, he's got to kind of leave on, you know, on his own. Yeah. Um, lest we, you know, piss off a ton of people. So, um, so where do you go? You go to Wisconsin. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, um, after all this, you know, like, what did they choose to do about him? Um, the idea was that they should try, obviously, to discredit him and break up the popularity he was gaining. But they also were trying to pressure him just to get get the fuck out. You know, they just they just wanted him to leave. I, in fact, even I think in one police report, they're saying we're basically going to put pressure on him to emigrate somewhere else. Yeah. So I mean, there was, yeah, he was just kind of getting shit from everywhere, really. Yeah. Um, wow. So the church decided, like I'd said kind of previously, that they were just going to keep on transferring Oswald to more and more uh, remote locations. Um, so they were just trying to basically attempt uh, anybody or trying to block any access to him. Um, but this, however, backfired in a stupendous way. As Oswald writes, uh, it is generally known that many people come to look for me wherever I happen to be. They prepared to travel for six, 50 to 60 hours for my service. If I were to go to Siberia today, in less than a month, things would likely be like they were here because it is my duty to serve my neighbor and win as many souls as possible for my Lord. Wow. As this is the way things stand, I can foresee no change, and I would like to be transferred to a place of pilgrimage where the arrival of my followers would attract no notice and I could continue in peace to work for the benefit of many people. Well, I guess suppose that uh, explains the secretive aspect of what the colony became. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of what he really, you know, not only to, like, not get shit, but I think he always kind of just wanted to, yeah, have that community of his own, you know, with yeah. his followers. Yeah, he definitely uh, danced <laughs> to the beat of his own drum, that's yeah. for sure. So basically, yeah, he basically said, Such go fuck yourself. Such a spirit. <laughs> yeah. Crystal's man. Um, but kind of the odd thing about this whole story is how political it all is. Because Oswald's popularity was kind of taking the wind out of some of the church's sails. Um, mostly in those regions. But they saw all these pilgrimages and the flocks of followers as, uh, quote, fueling this zealotry further, unquote. Um, so you might wonder, like, why should they give a shit about one preacher from some rural, some rural people? That's kind you of know, what s- I'm some asking dirt, myself. Yeah, some dirt babies. Um, <laughs> Gerber babies? <laughs> <laughs> dirt Gerber derper babies. <laughs> derper. Well, um, I think that what scared them the most was that Oswald would not only be considered legitimate against what the official church doctrine and system was, but the possible creation of a community that may grow larger and larger and beyond uh, their kind of overreaching control. Sure. Again, it's kind of not really the fear... It's really the fear of not only losing their followers, but it's also losing credibility with the people. Because his ideas were so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's actually a good segue. What what were some of these heretical ideas um, that we've kind of been kind of hinting towards? This is where it gets kind of weird. And it gets a little... It gets a little complicated in a way, um, but it, 
but it was also things that weren't completely uncommon. No. It's just to the church, they were things that used to maybe be in practices in some of the churches, but they had pretty much uh, shooed away after um, medical progress and the Industrial Revolution. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, one theological... There's a lot of blood and breast milk there in the church there for a while, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, one... I guess one theological thing that uh, Oswald practiced and taught was uh, millennialism. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. He did it! (laughs) Kind of, not really. Millennialism? No, I saw that word and I was like, fuck that, I'm going to keep reading. (laughs) That word is too long. (laughs) It's a lot of IA, IA. I'm like, what did you call me? (laughs) (laughs) Millennial, going to kick your asses. But it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's basically... (laughs) <laughs> it's the belief in the second coming, uh, oh. in, this, in, in the coming of a thousand year age of blessedness, beginning with the second coming of Christ. So it's like the new millennia. Basically. Oh, so in case of rapture, this vehicle will be unmanned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this belief is often highlighted by the highly, highly anticipated apocalypse. Yes, um, we are all waiting for so it. So stoked about that. Dude, I got yeah. kids. Four horsemen. Come on. I paid 400 bucks for front row seat tickets. <laughs> I got 900 on pestilence. Come on, baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and we kind of see this in, you know, a lot of, like, kind of weird Christian sex, you mm-hmm. know, where it's, it's the end is nigh and it's coming very soon. And so this world really kind of doesn't matter. Um, you know, right. this is a belief that was troubling to a lot of people going back to ancient Rome. You know, one thing, because Rome really always had an emphasis on the state, you know, like you being a participant in the state. And so if this world doesn't matter, you know, a lot of the Christians would really not give a shit about Rome, like the Roman state. Right. And, you know, they're, they ain't having none of that. <laughs> Uh, so there's a little context, you know, and I'm sure I'll, I'll, any of you uh, probably know some Christian sects or Christians who believe that uh, the end is coming. Well, every oh, yeah. 10 years, something comes yeah, up. Yeah, it's a date always, because actually that was something Oswald uh, did when he emigrated. He had a prophecy because he had, um, he wrote a book of mystical writings, which this book was kind of condemned for being heretical. But that was, he made a, a series of prophecies as well. And one of the prophecies was that the world was going to end in like 1890-something. 18, uh, yeah. So he he died before uh, he could even see his prophecy fall flat on its fucking face and nothing happened. Well, that's kind of nice for him. <laughs> yeah, good, good for him. <laughs> He just, he just he left everybody horribly confused and isolated <laughs> out in the middle of the fucking woods. But he didn't get that crushing disappointment, and isn't that important? <laughs> um, so on top of this, though, uh, Oswald also practiced animal magnetism. So this is kind of where the crystal faith healing stuff comes in. What animal magnetism uh, is, it's the... Fuck you, bo- <laughs> fuck you fucking <laughs> stones are sweet. Um, animal magnetism is basically the belief that a magnetic and spiritual force is present in all living things. And so, man, it's like, thought that. Fractals. Yeah, fractals. Whatever. Fraggle rock, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's thought that one can utilize these forces for healing uh, through manip- manipulating these magnetic forces. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So, and we actually see that with... Um, Pentecostal people with the snakes, right? Uh, I guess... What is up with those snakes? I never... It's it's gotta be... What's up with that shit? What's up with the fucking snakes, man? I mean... They they believe if they get bit, the poison will not harm them. Oh. And so the power of faith will heal them in their belief in Christ. That's flirting with fuckery. Oh, yeah. I just watched a video last night, actually, of a guy that got bit in the ear. (laughs) Big time. Blood swirt all over his shoulder, and he's like, he's still hooting and hollering. He's like, Heather, you God. have the best solo parties ever. <laughs> and then, not like, I don't know, some time elapsed, and his face is like so puffy. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> 
And there's like four people trying to get him outside. No, no. Hey, it was no. hilarious. No, Jesus, Jesus, go and help me. Oh my God. Go and help me. Wait, what was the Brian Jonestown cult? What was that called? Do you remember? Oh, it was. Um, what was the, the the committee was Jonestown? Was it? Was it? Wasn't there a special name for the cult or something like that? It went through a few changes in names. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because uh, Uganda, I mean, when they moved to Uganda, the town was called Jonestown. Uh huh. But I can't remember what the name of the um, of what it was. Because when he first started it um, in when it was like a little church, um, he called it something, and then um, I think it kind of. Uh, evolved. The People's Temple? Oh, People's Temple. That's oh, that's right, it. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. Okay. All right. Just saving that for later, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so animal magnetism, Oswald was one of these believers and practitioners. And that's, I mean, that's some of the stuff that was in his mystical writings. Obviously, he had the prophecies. Um, he had a lot of other weird things. And also, there was actually a society for people who practice animal magnetism um, Ooh, as well. I want to go to that convention. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but kind of like going back to that little kid. Oh, that he kinda... yes, his farm boy. So I guess... Was his name Hans? <laughs> <laughs> we can pretend. Uh, actually, we don't know his name. No, I, I don't think, think. he ha- had a it name mentioned. Because yeah. he was a little, a little rural... Um, boy, I think he was handicapped or something. Oh, I can't um, remember exactly. But anyway, so Oswald was also kind of a saw of himself as a medium, but not not in like the the regular sense of a medium. It was more like he just uh, could connect to God. But part of some of it was that uh, he needed a medium to help give his prophecies some credit. Um, some credibility. I mean, this is just kind of my my belief. So he had a little boy. Did, did you actually pull up? I, I did find the part. Okay, sweet. Yeah, do you want to yeah. read that? Oswald also had a medium ready who differed in no respects from the archetypes in the literature. He was called Alois Heitzman from Yorick, a little boy of little education, one of nature's simpletons who could neither read nor write properly. And so supple. <laughs> the, charismatic, the charismatic quality of pure foolishness shines through here. However, this was a special kind of simplicity. It contained an element of arrogance, which came from the certain knowledge that one belonged to the elect. So... Thus, the boy requires caution and extreme reticence towards people who do not belong to the association. And uh, it says he lived on a lonely farm far away from the road and almost inaccessible in winter. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was not open to suggestions that his knowledge was based on supernatural abilities. Mm. Yeah, so I get he... I mean, basically made some prophecies and some of the things that he told people were uh, follow and uh, Oswald. He is, you know, a savior in a way, um, which will kind of come into play later when he actually does create the community in Wisconsin mm-hmm. um, because he is seen as it's almost like uh, St. Nazians becomes Nazians, Nazians. It kind of becomes like a bus stop for heaven. In a way, ah, I because like that. yeah, it's, it's cute. You get to sit next to Forrest Gump <laughs> or a hobo <laughs> or that Probably lady with way too much mascara on who looks dead inside. <laughs> give me your, give me the rest of that bag of chips before I shank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so because it was, they basically, because Oswald had prophesied that the end of the world was coming. It was, this community was sort of like the waiting room slash preparing ourselves for the end of the world and then our ascension into heaven because we're so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. they were making it all nice and tidy for the apocalypse, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Oswald gets fed up with all this shit. He actually tries to leave a few times. He even tries to go back to medical school to actually get like um, oh he's probably taking this all pretty to pretty seriously pretty to heart he doesn't finish <laughs> oh of course yeah but he's got that intention like I'm gonna do it yeah like whatever 
Um, yeah, it's, it's always so hard to go back to school when you're older, it you is. know. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he he tries to go back. He doesn't finish, and that that's pretty much when he decides to emigrate. And there's kind of a couple things with this emigration because he says that he emigrated for religious purposes, you know, to go await the end and the final judgment from a safe and secluded place. But um, there are also some like real world and realistic reasons that are kind of beyond the scope of religion to, uh, you know, what was happening around him with his opponents and his need to hold on to his power and his position amongst his followers because he was called all this shit, you know, like a simple Probably wearing his old bony ass down. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess it really could be said that he was really running from the labels uh, that had been uh, attributed to him and to cover his reputation uh, in Germany and continue his saint-like reverence. It's kind of a weird, it is a strange dichotomy between a heretic and a saint because Oswald was seen as both and can be perceived as both. If you're one of his followers, he's obviously a saint, but if you're against him, he is a, a problem and he is kind of a heretic. Yeah. Um, so, again, we'll just kind of leave that up to uh, the listeners to decide. Yeah, I'm told, um, I, I mean, I still don't know what I think about it. Oh wow! Still, well, that's the that's kind of thing. Like, uh, re you know, reading through some of the research, I was really hoping to find some like, ooh, ooh just good, despicable, uh, yeah, uh, just succulent. Where you can sway one way or the other. Yeah, but it. I mean, honestly, the the church and the authorities kind of come out looking like the assholes here. Yeah, um, I just wonder. Like, I mean, and it's like why the they go so hard. underpinnings of World War One coming up too. Like, it's all just like bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. I'm sure. You know. Oh, I mean, oh, like like social social stuff in Germany, stuff. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and that was kind of the thing is that they saw the industrial revolution and all these new progresses as you know, as I had said before, basically a threat to traditional Catholic values. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw like machines and shit as like the devil. Like incarnate. Um, He saw them as they were going to be the destruction of man, which, I mean, I can arguably say, (laughs) you know, atomic bomb and stuff. Yeah, so they, you know, so he already thought that the end of the world was coming and didn't really care about what was happening. So he just decided to emigrate. Um, You know, he had enough and. And he tried to get a bunch of followers, but I think he only, like I said, got like the 113 people. That well, I think on the trip over, as we heard earlier, that he had more than 113. But I think on the way over, some died and, yeah, that's true, and yeah. he ended up with the 113. Oh, OK. Yeah. okay. Oh, wow. Did they? They must have. Duh, of course. OK, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, they took a ship, huh? Isn't that interesting? Well, of course they did. OK. <laughs> oh, edit that one out. Oof. Well, and, and, and they also saw society as becoming sinful, you know, like because they were getting away from traditional Catholic uh, values and views. And and so, like, that's, you know, that's also something that is that he believed um, that becomes a problem for people in power is when you start talking about equality and you start saying, you know, everybody, nobody should own anything. Nobody should own property. Um, everything should belong to everybody. It's, it's you know, obviously a communistic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people in power, it's like, well, no, not everybody's equal. You know, not everybody um, is successful or, or, you know, or has high status. For some of them, they earn it. And to think that you're just now going to be sharing everything, uh, that, you know, that pisses people off in power or with, you know, money or authority. Yeah. So, um Yeah. They basically, you know, he gets together some people and they make plans to withdraw from the sinful and uh, competing culture that was rising out of the industrial culture and urban life. Um, And they really just wanted to try to get back to the natural ways of existence, kind of like a Garden of Eden on Earth uh, that is untainted by the quickly progressing world. Yeah, not going to happen. Oh, man, that's just like the Koreshian thing in Florida. Oh, that is that what they were called? Yeah, yeah. I think so. The Koresh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, he said Koresh, and I thought of uh, David Koresh from the uh, from Waco. 
oh. the, the Branch Davidians. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> not to get off track again. Um, but essentially, they just wanted to return to the bare bones of the church and the faith, um, really kind of emulating the time of the apostles. The idea coincides with the offshoot sects of Christians in the Middle Ages that, you know, they practice poverty and layman preaching to emulate Christ and the apostles. So, I mean, that's basically what they were trying to do. Just make a, a paradise of their own, mm-hmm. free from all the bad stuff going on. Yeah, uh, where yeah they came basically, from. yeah. And um, Grass uh, is always greener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I guess that's probably a good place to leave um, until next time, part two, when we actually get into his emigration, the troubles that they had on the way, building the town, and then the real trouble after Ambrose dies. So, yeah, hopefully tune in to part two. And thank you very much for listening to our first episode. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we will definitely be back with more. So, um, yeah, any last thoughts or anything like that? Mm. Well, I can't wait to hear about that sexy corpse of his. Me too. I mean, he's still Otho in my head, but he's going to change. I know. (laughs) Line on the slab. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to tell more stories, our personal stories, which are super fun. Oh, yeah, so we will also uh, do that next time as well. That that inspired all of this, so, Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Think about the Dairyland. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll see you later. Good talk.